What the fuck is Selfquar? Oh, hello, everybody. It's Baron Vaughn. Welcome to Selfquar. Someone called me the Lauren Hill of podcasting the other day, and you know what? I'll take it. It takes me a while to get around to things because of all of my feelings. And I have a lot of feelings. If you listen to this podcast, you know that to be true <laughs> already. Here's the thing, y'all. I'm realizing that a lot of these feelings aren't mine. I've been holding them for somebody else or many other people. I'm holding all these other feelings, holding some of my own, and thus I don't feel comfortable in my own skin most of the time. It's a really great feeling, but this idea uh, of feeling comfortable in my own skin has uh, come up recently, and it's the thing I've been working on while uh, I haven't been posting podcasts. So uh, even though it's because I'm mental, I've been getting better, blah, 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 yakety schmackety. I don't want to take too much time because this is a very good uh, podcast that we have coming up with um, a fantastic and and <laughs> uh, a fantastic gentleman named uh, Orlando Jones. I I never know how to introduce. I feel like a person like this. I'm kind of like if you don't know Orlando or if you're unfamiliar with Orlando, I I kind of don't know what to say to you. Um, he's been around for a while, and you should know who he is. And if you don't, that's fine, I guess, but I'm mad at you. Regardless, this was a very great, candid conversation that him and I had. Um, a lot of stuff coming up about community lately, and I think you out there listening to this might be thinking about that a lot as well as you start to go back out there into this world and try to figure out who is it that you actually care about? What things are there that you actually want to do? I saw this thing the other day that uh, in April, uh, a record number of people quit their jobs in retail. I think it was like, 469,000 people quit their retail jobs in April. And uh, that just tells me that people are going like, you know what, fuck this. <laughs> fuck all of this. What is, my, what, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing with my life? And so they've at least taken a step to figure that shit out. Or it's just too scary out there, y'all. There's a lot of shit going on. No shit. There's all kinds of new variants. Uh, the president of Haiti was just assassinated? Which is, I haven't heard about a presidential assassination since the last presidential assassination. I don't have a joke. Uh, it's just fucking crazy. <laughs> it's insane that this is happening right now um, in the world. But at the same time, nothing surprises me at all. Um, I'm reading up on it, but it is a fascinating thing that the president of Haiti has been killed. If you haven't heard about that, then I'm really happy that I broke the news to you. I don't get to do that much anymore. When, when does somebody tell you something that you haven't already heard or seen on your phone anymore? How often do you run across a genuine piece of new information? Something that makes you go, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but in a place that's deeper than those words. You know what I mean? And if you don't, that's fine because I don't either. Let's tell you a story right quick before we get into this podcast. So one of the things about me is I'm always late. That's it. 
I'm always late. Uh, I have never been on time for almost anything in my life. And it's happened so seldomly that I've met on time that I have had a life full of people admonishing me for being late or working up, walking up to the disappointment of somebody that I am late. And I wonder if that's why I do it, because I expect that this person will be disappointed in me. But if I'm late, at least I was able to control the reason why. Who knows? But the other day, I had to be somewhere, and I wasn't exactly sure what time. Luckily, I had a a little space, which is rare these days, but I had a little space. So I drove to the place I was supposed to be at the time I thought I was supposed to be there, which was 4.30. So I arrived at 4.15 to a 4.30 appointment. However, I also was pretty sure that the appointment was at 5.30. So I wasn't sure. And I thought, maybe I'll just sit here for an hour. And that's what I ended up doing. Boy, did it bring up a lot. What, you ask? Well, here's the thing about being late. When I'm always late, it means that I don't spend any time arriving. <laughs> I don't spend any time doing anything except always being on route to where I'm supposed to go. If I'm driving somewhere that I'm like parking and I'm getting out of the thing, at all times I'm walking. I'm not sitting, thinking, smelling the flowers, checking my phone. I am in motion because when you're late, you're in motion. You're not lollygagging anymore. At least I'm not. I'm not late because I am moving slowly. I'm late because I don't know how time works anymore. That's why I'm late. My concept of time is shot and has been for so long. But when I get to where I'm going, I'm still going. But when you're early somewhere, you luxuriate. People always say, oh, if you're 15, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're 15 minutes late. Well, guess what? When I've been 15 minutes early, I am now loitering. And that invites all kinds of other shit. And that's what came up for me the other day when I was sitting in my car for an hour. How many people, black people, have been shot or killed because they were taking a nap? in their car or sitting in their car. I don't know how many times I've been to a park or even a restaurant and I'm just waiting for the other person that I'm supposed to be waiting for, but I'm early. And I've had people who work at the restaurant, the managers of the restaurant come out and be like, excuse me, can I help you? I'm like, I'm waiting for someone to eat at your, now I don't wanna come here. And I just forgot. I forgot how many times I've been hassled when I've been early to places, when I'm at the park by myself before my friend shows up and people are like, what the fuck? You know, I guess now it's a meme, right? Barbecue Karen or barbecue Patty and Karen and all this shit. But I forgot. I forgot that I'm scared to be early, that I've had police come up to me. I've had security guards come up to me and be like, what's going on here? And I'm like, I am literally here to do what this place is for. But because I'm, look at that, I'm so emotional. I knocked over my water. Anyway, as I was saying, because I'm sitting in a park by myself, I'm suspicious. But if it's someone else is there with me, less suspicious, I guess. 
But I don't really experience that much because usually the other person <laughs> is waiting for me. It's safe that way. If I'm late, that means I don't wait. Ugh, I'll figure that out some other day. Anyway, here's some more show. I didn't know that you did yoga. Did you do yoga kind of hardcore? Yeah. I've oh, been like on that? and off because dance and yoga, a lot of warm up in dance is parts mm -hmm. of yoga. And then I did yoga and realized that. But mentally, yoga is like the only reason I think I looked somewhat well adjusted from the outside the past year. <laughs> mentally, yes. Well, because you know how to connect. It's helped a lot. And yeah, just like being able to like be present and enjoy things as they come and not be so aware or not to, uh, be more aware of what's happening now and not so like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that like a lot of people have been made hyper ass aware of whatever habit they had, be they good or bad. That's the biggest thing also, like, trying not to say, like, this is a good habit. This is a bad habit. And just, like, this is what it is. This is how I do shit. Mm -hmm. And I, I've always gotten that. Like, mm -hmm. I've always understood this mentally. I've heard ev literally everything. But, like, to really feel what it feels like in my body is new. For me. To feel, like, that level of calm from your toes to your head? Yes, to nice. feel what it actually feels. No, just to feel like relaxed at all. Wow. Like I, did, I didn't even know how tightly I was, want, I was wound up until yeah. my 30s. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's like, and now I'm kind of like trying to figure out who I am if I don't have those windings. You know what I mean? As I arrive, if you will, into my body. And so I have all of these habits and shit and all of these personalities, as we all do that I've created to deal with whoever I am. And so like, for me, I've taken this gigantic mental leap, you know, or I should say mental holiday, because I was feeling a lot of different things, which is why I've been like kind of for a little bit. I just get overwhelmed and shut down. But this particular episode, this particular interview, I have to say that there's a Baron Vaughn that I really dislike. In this interview. Really? Why? It's, it's really hard for me to hit. It was so hard for me to listen. Every time I listened to the first two sentences of myself talking, I just okay. could not, I could not continue. Okay. The you first know? two sentences gives me a hint of what you mean, but what do you mean? It's a, it's a hard thing to explain. It's just that like, okay, let's back up. Welcome to self Quark. <laughs> Ah, that's wow, how you do an okay, introduction. Well, that's how you do it. That's so funny. We did Welcome a whole guided meditation. You're listening mm -hmm. to self quar. To self quar. Um, that's probably all going to be cut out. So just just so you know. Uh, but the whole thing about it is um, Orlando Jones is a fascinating, fascinating man. Mm -hmm. And 
to put it bluntly, I'm very intimidated by him because he's like insanely talented, very wise, not only just as I think as a person, but as a human being, as a businessman. And I didn't even know he knew who the hell I was until he showed up to a documentary viewing that I made. And he was aware of me and he liked what I was studying and he liked how deep I was going with it. And so he's made it, he's made himself available to me. So it's kind of like if there's a CEO of a company, which he is, who's just like, hey, I'm interested in you. And then it makes me go, what what do I have to offer? Uh And that's where I start to get tripped up. And so now that I'm aware of this intro and feel a different Baron that wasn't good or bad, but I was like, what are you doing? Like, stop. And it's just like, look, I get so but it didn't grown emotionally because I don't because that thing that we did before, this arriving, I don't give myself that space ever. I wake up and start going, and I don't even eat breakfast. I have all of these habits that are Mm non-habits that I'm realizing don't work at all because I'm a parent. And you're like, you should stop doing that. Well, it's that I never learned how to do anything else. Oh, okay. You've never even entertained another option for some of these things? No one taught me shit. It's Uh it's as simple as that. So it's the thing that you did one time, and you do it that way, and you never even on your own like accidentally did it a different way. Exactly. Okay. But like not even one time. It's just like it's not even a habit because I was so young when the habit started. You know, it's just what you do. That it's just what I do. And I didn't even know there was another option Uh because there's never been anyone close to me that has observed how I do things Uh to say, what is this? Yes. Until I was in a real relationship. That I can definitely relate to as an only child, which being like, oh, no one's ever around when I do that. And then people just start asking questions about stuff that you're like. Yo, I hate to bring up. Go ahead. What are you going to say? Go ahead. Just like I think that that is partially why I like living alone, going out to see. But like I don't, I've never been a real like people in my house kind of person. Not really my bag. Not really interested in it. Don't like the idea of it really. Like there's no reason for anyone to be in my house, my space where I live. Uh, And I think part of it is because very early on I noticed that like when you invite people in, they start like looking at shit and touching things and asking questions. And I was like, which is normal. But I did not realize people would do it. Like the first time I had a girl over my house in like third grade probably. And I just like went to the bathroom and came back. And she was like, who's this? And had like a picture that she had picked up from somewhere. And I was like, nobody fucking told you to touch that. Like I was so annoyed and put off yeah. that she would have, one, looked at it, two, picked it up, and then asked me about it. I was like, oh, people do this when you let them in the house. People don't need to be right. in the house. <laughs> right, and so I feel right. like it's that, but with mannerisms and things, when you get into a relationship where you're like, oh, yeah, normally no one's around when that happens. Well, and then this brings up the question about which things are, which things are useful to you and which things are not. I guess, right? Mm-hmm. So, fuck this whole nature-nurture thing. You know, even though that's, that's important. But in the present moment, I've gotten to, does this serve me? Does this not? Is this something that, that's going to enable me to feel okay or yeah. going to do the opposite? Right. Because, pff, 
this is the first time I can ask myself these questions, okay. you know, as a 40-year-old, unfortunately. But something as simple as eating breakfast or going to bed at a certain time. Uh-huh. And not waking up and just starting. Yes. Because then I don't do anything. You know, I, so I'm, I do feel like there are God knows how many full grown adults doing themselves huge disservices just because they were never given the skills that like what Orlando was talking about, just like mm -hmm. the gift of giving because I was also hardcore relating on this episode because mm -hmm. uh, Orlando my mom is a teacher and my dad is not but they are both just like logical as people from Baltimore that mm. Um, mm. raised me very similarly to the way a lot of the things that Orlando was saying um, so I do feel like me and my mom have conversations all the time as now both being adults where we're like watching other adults miss out on things because they were just <laughs> never taught bare minimum things that my, cause my mom would be like, that's common sense. It's like, there's no such thing. Yeah. And not everyone am, knows. Well, and what I'm thinking about, like if you were say in a neighborhood and you were a common sense family mm -hmm. and then across the street, you saw a house where you're like, Oh, there's some trouble over there. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm realizing is like my house for generations. <laughs> Where it's just like nobody, and it's it's okay. So I'm thinking about these things because I'm because this idea of community mm -hmm. that I think is really at came up for me during this conversation. Yeah, and this idea of it's common sense to take care of others. Where yes. I feel like that's the opposite narrative that I ever heard growing up. Yep, Girl, grew, growing up, that's the opposite narrative of it was just. People will take advantage of you. Your friend. I was robbed by my friends at a young I, age. I felt a duality when you all were having this part of the conversation mm, because I practice what Orlando was talking about, but I expect what you expect. Mm, like mm. I move in a way that I am like actively always trying to be better to the point where I don't have to think about it, where things that used to seem like a weird level of effort to help someone, I just is like second nature and kind of tra training myself to be that way. Hmm. Um, but I do also move through the world in a very matter of fact way of there's no reason for anyone to care about me. Like everyone has even on the very base level of everyone is looking out for themselves in uh -huh. a survival way that someone walking down the street has 3000 problems before worrying about you. So why would you ever expect any of them to ever, you know, and this is where it comes have to the a bigger bandwidth to be there for you. Even if they wanted to be uh -huh. on top of regular as people that, Right, you wouldn't expect anything from. Well, I think the 80s and the 90s seem to have a cynicism that was born in the earlier decades, but like really seemed to come to a head mm. in the 80s and 90s where there was this, the general idea is no one will take care of you. Your mm -hmm. neighbors will, will rob you. Mm -hmm. The government will try to also rob you, mm -hmm. you know, you will, you will, there's no one that's going to help you except maybe your family. And if mm -hmm. they don't help you. Right. 
big I fat fart sound. I am poop emoji, much, wind emoji. Yeah, raised <laughs> that way. Of, well, you can like make your own family along the way, but definitely don't just assume that these people out in the world that meet you have your best interests at heart. Like for what? <laughs> now, here's the other question, Katrina. Mm. Do you want love? Yeah. Do I you think want I'd a partner? Have, I think that I um, have love and I like... Uh, am aware of it and will acknowledge mm. it and still also not totally be comfortable with the level that people want to give me. Mm. But I can now, even as an adult, um, at least sometimes verbalize when it's like, okay, I appreciate that you're being very nice right now, but that's really making me uncomfortable and I don't like it and you don't have to do that. <laughs> like even mm. if I know someone means well, because I feel like uh -huh. there's both. I feel like there are things going on where people attract Friends and partners with opposite, like, things. So even in friendships, I'm very, you know, I don't, you know, like, I share my shit when I need to, but also I share when it's over and I don't need your help. I'm not one to, like, call mm. you while I'm crying. Because if I call you while I'm crying, you're probably not going to pick up. And I'm not going to be surprised, but that's the way shit works. When I need people, they're normally busy. So I don't... <laughs> I don't really reach out even till I've handled it to a certain point anyway. Mm -hmm. But I do have friends that a lot of my closest friends fucking exude so much love. They just ugh, like anything you ever need. They would give you the shirt off their like I attract people that would give me the shirt off their back. And I'm like, I don't need your fucking shirt, weirdo. Well, that well, that's extreme. <laughs> that's extreme. Love isn't necessarily codependency, <laughs> you know, like no, it isn't necessarily. Saying, I feel like the balance in romantic and non-romantic relationships is me being like, mm -hmm. I acknowledge that you are being very nice. I get it, but I don't need all that. You're fucking good, dude. And then being like, okay, I like love and appreciate everything that you do. And I like, still are just always giving everything. And I'm like, I love you. But I am also, I think that those relationships works because I'm not the kind of person that's going to take it all. Hmm. I feel like those they're the kind of people that would get uh, used in other friendships and relationships because they are just constantly giving. And I'm the kind of person that will recognize, like, you realize people will drain the shit. Like, I, in a past relationship, dated someone that I was like, oh, no, you can't go around in L.A. dating like this. You're going to get, like... Um, I dated someone who, who was like offering me help with like bills and like asking me to move in with them and all this stuff very early. And I was oh. like, just so you know, when we are done dating, do not ever do this again because you will meet the wrong broad on Tinder and be broke. Like you can't do So this. it was just really too early? But also just having someone be that giving and have the balance of someone that doesn't need because there, I feel like there are people that are willing to give too much. So if you meet someone that mm -hmm. knows not to take everything that you're giving because they're good enough on their own, then that's, that's a hard one because nobody knows that. Like I feel like that's part of what happens sometimes in mm. in relating to someone. It's impossible to know what someone else will want, and it's impossible to always be aware of what you want. But you can agree with somebody to be patient <laughs> while each other figures that shit Wait, out. Wait, you think it's impossible to know what you want? Not impossible. I said oh. it's not always possible. Oh, okay. 
you can know what you want. And I mean, like knowing what you want is such a broad statement, you know? So there's all these things that we're aware that we want. There's all these things that we, I think a lot of the work is disconnecting what we actually want from what we've been beaten over the head with, how that might look. Mm-hmm. How oh, we well, also to answer your question, um, yeah. I don't want for anything right now. Well, and that's the other thing where it's just kind of like, it doesn't also necessarily mean that you're lacking anything to want something, right? No, but that's what I'm saying. I don't want any more than I have right now. Oh, sure. I'm like good with everything the way, in terms of there are times in my life where I've sat around and felt a void and it's like, I'm good. (laughs) Hmm, hmm. You sat around and felt a void and you were like, like I'm good. You are sitting and doing what we did in the beginning, mm-hmm. oh, either physically or mentally, and doing just an evaluation of where you're at in all the different pockets of your life that you feel about, whether however people break them down, whether it's like your job, your family, your home life, whatever your breakdown is, uh, and been like, oh, well, this part is kind of like would be nice if it was a little better uh and right now i don't i'm good on all the squares that's fantastic <laughs> and it was absolutely only because you said do you want love and i was like it sounds weird to say i don't want no love, no but, uh, it, and I, don't... I mean eventually like not right now you know yeah. like and that's the other thing is that things change and that's what i mean things change yeah. it's like you can't always know sometimes people i think aim for something but who they are mm-hmm. ends up being different than what they aim for. Exactly. And you have to be open to being like, oh, you know, that thing I wanted five years ago isn't yeah. actually important to me. Or, and it's okay to, like, let things go and let other things come in. Yep. That's, that's the shit that's tricky. But this brings me back to community. Because I think that when you have people around you to model how these things can be, when you have people around you who give a fuck about you for no conditions, then you know what that is like to be treated like that. You know what that's like to, to feel safe with somebody. So when you bring new people in your life, you're not going to accept some bullshit. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I know how to be treated because mm-hmm. I was treated well by my family and I treat my family well and I treat my neighbors well. So if you're going to come with me with this. But if you don't know that shit like me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, then the world is my oyster for nonstop drama. But what I miss, what I'm jealous of, and what I feel is the thing that informs my smallness, if you will, in this episode, is my lack of community in the sense of growing up without people to bounce myself off of, without Mm. people to see who I am up against it was just me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, like you your no thoughts. frame of reference to become a No person. frame of reference. Yeah. No frame of reference. And that's what I'm finding out uh, now. Yeah. And my frame of reference is I apply them subconsciously. And they suck. But I'm going the opposite direction. No, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's a lot of weird embedded shit in there. But I wanted to hear about um, what you what comes up for you with this thing um, that we're well, about to listen to? I feel like I feel similar to how you feel. And I do get kind of like, I'll get like straight up emotional about it when I hear people talk about like having 
um, a lot of their family around when they were younger or growing up in like large, not even large, just like black communities that accepted them in terms of like uh, community growing up and not having that and hearing people talk about it. I feel like that could frame you in like a totally different way that I do. I'm not jealous of, but I do tell people like, you should be grateful that you have that. You should be grateful that you have, I don't even, I'll like just hear them tell stories and stuff and I can't imagine what it would be like to have had a, like you're saying, frame of reference that was accepting of the kind of black person I am growing up. I, I'd be, up, honestly, it's probably good. I'd be a fucking monster if I had been accepted that early. It was um, <laughs> but You don't, you have no idea. Right, but, um, uh, wait. The community, wait, because his, and then turn it, and then, I can't remember the second part. Of, oh, but now being older and having like the um, uh, black community that I found back home in Jacksonville, Florida, and like the just like art scene and the hip hop scene, and everyone that was like making music and making art and doing their own things was kind of like the first time I was like enveloped by a bunch of, you know, just people that I felt like, oh my goodness, all these people like get me and accept me and like me. And that, that was kind of the first time that I had on mass, like more than the seven people, you know what I mean? That was kind of crazy. And now going out of coming, just having recorded an hour and I came downstairs and everyone was like cleaned out. Like it was like an empty studio and I turned a corner and it was... Pap and Chi and my best friend Aston's um, sister and Cab Washington and uh, and they were all waiting and they were waiting. They were like, oh, they shut the lights off on us, but we didn't care. We knew you were still here, so we didn't leave. And I like ran to Chi through the <coughs> glass like it was so un on like a different level. I like went back to my hotel and just had so many feelings about it because I never envisioned having, like, any group of black people, like, have my back like that. Like, take a train mm. two hours to come watch me, wait for me after, come sell it. Like, not like they don't know me, but, like, not expecting it. Like I said, I don't expect anyone. It would have been fine if I would have just went back to my hotel. I would have been just as happy, but it, like, fulfilled me on a different level to, like, feel supported like that. And, Yeah. Well, let's for a second back up because I wanted to let you talk a little bit more about the fact that you uh, shot a damn special. And, well, because, like, I don't know what's going to happen with it yet, but I am glad I did it. I got it. Well, let's hour. talk about it. You went to New York. Yeah. And you shot a special. Tell, yep. tell me, tell me uh, the story. I mean, there, that's what I mean. There's no story. That's the other thing is I feel like a lot the of The story of doing a damn hour? That's I not did, a story? That's it. I, uh... They asked me to do an hour, and I was Who's like, they? yeah, uh, Comedy Dynamics. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and then I started working on it, and then I shot it uh, at Tribeca Film Festival, and it was super fun. Uh, yeah. And you had a large group of people, and there were a lot yeah. of people that came from different walks, different parts of your life that came to see this Oh, yeah, like a bunch of my friends came, friends from high school came, my comic friends came, that people that have just moved since the pandemic, like L.A. people that aren't L.A. people anymore. So, yeah, hmm. it was nice. 
And you looked out and you had this crowd of laughing faces. You saw some yeah. people you knew. It was it was my friends and then also a black couple that came in off the street and the husband was 100% asleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is a comedy show without some dude asleep in when the audience? Old? The only people I've ever seen asleep in my show is are old black people and I feel like they've worked hard <laughs> enough and I let them rest. I never call them out. I let them sleep and then eventually I will multiple times this has also happened. I will then look over and see them laughing with their eyes closed still. They're like, like they're <laughs> watching TV or something. They're like, I hear you baby. I'm just resting my eyes. And it's like, okay, well you can't do that during I have the painting, sir. <laughs> I have seen grand, grand grandparents do that and just yes. close their eyes and still know the child is playing. It happened in Oakland because I was like, this lady is knocked the fuck out. And I was like, but I am not going to call her out. I'm going to let her live her life. And then I looked over and I was like, and she's also kind of enjoying it. Okay. Like, I'm also not also all the way bombing with this asleep woman. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm killing in her dreams. Old, old black people will come and support you in their REM. So, <laughs> wow, that's that's very hilarious. It was a late um, show. I get it. It's okay. no, I I have had the same happen. Exactly, the late show on a Friday or a Saturday. I legit was like, this old man is dead asleep, and then I was like, it's probably like eleven thirty. It's okay. Oh yeah, Sunday matinees. I've seen people asleep. I'm like, all right, it's fine. <laughs> it's two o'clock. It's, this shouldn't be happening. Um. <laughs> so anyway, Katrina, I think we're going to now. Throw it to yes. Orlando Jones. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm a very anxious person, so I'm trying not to like. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, see, I am not an anxious things. person, so it, I don't. Oh, I can tell. I don't. <laughs> I don't approach things in that manner. But I hear what you're saying. Yes, uh, the 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 parsing through the details, the thinking through of things, and the the desire to want them to you know be a certain way, and what and what that creates that that feeling of. Of, of you know, I guess they call it anxiety, but I'm not. I'm not sure that's exactly what it is. I think it might be a little bit more involved than that. Well, you know, my my kind of like two cent version of thinking about anxiety and depression is anxiety is obsessing about things that have yet to happen, and depression is worrying about things that have already happened, like worrying about how things went, right? And neither of them have anything to do with the present moment. Yes. Yes. Yeah, see what <laughs> what many people call anxiety, I call crazy, right? Because what madness? Oh, yeah? What madness is it to expect bad news, right? You know, to to expect mm. it's going to happen to you. Oh, they're looking for you, right? And what narcissism is it? How far do you take that? That it's so about you, you are under attack. It's going to come to you. You know, some could say that's as simple as anxiety, but I think it might have a few other things wrapped up in it, depending on the individual, of course. And when you get those sorts of things all wrapped up together, you can you can find yourself dealing with a fairly prickly human who who doesn't care at all about you or empathy or anything because you were never in the sights. It was really always about them, right? Um, mm. And mm. and and those behaviors coupled together, you know, you know, sort of 
don't make for happy people and, and generally certainly don't make for um for happy artists uh you know, <laughs> you know because that, our desire is to be seen um you know to to be heard to be recognized and and and, and to share that with other people i mean it, the communication of it is is what we do it for so you know that combination of you ain't even here because no matter what you do <laughs> you know that that's a that that's a particular type of sickness that i you know that i wish well but but don't want near <laughs> <laughs> that's very interesting i mean yeah there's a lot of different ways to think about it i don't necessarily mean to you know i'm oversimplifying i'll i, I call it all anxiety because all of it is still um it's still dangerous in a sense it's dangerous either to yourself because you're worrying yourself into uh medical condition you know um or you have to get that energy out of you and that's when people can become dangerous to others dangerous to society um you know when that kind of vibrating uh, is underneath everything they do they're going to interpret that in all these different ways depending on where they came from see to me it's like you can feel all those different ways we all do most certainly but it, it I, i'm specifically focused on how those things manifest themselves in the harm of others right mm -hmm. because that often gets labeled as a thing as anxiety and it's entirely forgivable in that sense and i'm not exactly sure mm. that that's a fair assessment of it because they didn't need to be mean that had nothing to do with anxiety you know, you need to be nasty. That had nothing to do with anxiety. There were other choices being made along the way that get lumped into that. And so I think, again, you can feel all those things, but that doesn't mean you got to be treating somebody else like a jerk. With the, that, those two things don't go together, and they get put together. And, and I think that's my own – I am not a doctor in any way, shape, or form, but that is my, mm -hmm. own, <laughs> that is my own adverse reaction to, 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 to often what I hear and, and not what I experience. Well, you know, I don't want to excuse any behavior. So I don't even know what we're talking about right now, but I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're talking about the human condition, you know, and that's what it is that we, as artists, I would hope, are concerned about. You know, that's what I'm always concerned about. I actually think that being able to create is a means of releasing that stuff in a way that isn't harmful, you know, that could be make somebody laugh you know or make someone consider something in a different way that's i think that's the whole point of storytelling of telling jokes of you know doing any character is to kind of release these feelings but also in some sense examine them question them you know and and give it to somebody else and be like yeah i felt that <laughs> i felt that too yeah, yeah I, <laughs> you know look man more peacemakers is not a bad thing um and communicating by which to create that feeling of peace those feelings of joy are not unimportant insignificant things and in in everyday mm -hmm. life they are more important than than money and fame and who did this and post and liked what but with priorities out of whack you you get what you get right <laughs> Some people see it as I do, and some people do not. And I'm not right, and they're not wrong. You know what I mean? It's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky thing, right? I, but our values are very much in different places. Yes, yes, and and the values is the thing because, for me, 
it's taken me because of how I grew up a long time to question a lot of the values that I was given either consciously or subconsciously because you know that that's the thing I'm I was out of whack, you could say. Mm-hmm. It's that whole say one thing, do another thing. Like, I know what I aspire to be, right. but then my whole system and body makes me do this other thing. So, but luckily I could see, like, hmm, something's wrong here. I got to do some work. And that's what I've been doing. So, unprogramming, you know, deprogramming, all that stuff. No, absolutely. But this is, that make, that I'm lucky. Sense. Say say what? I said that makes sense. That's, uh, yeah. And, and, and what a important process for, you know, you know, humans to go through. I mean, you know, I hit the parents lotto, so I was I was super lucky. <laughs> so those were, you know, I I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't have those. That's not my world, right? Not not my not my uh, not my experience. I would have got murdered behind that. Like it was, you know, like I'm not even I'm not even joking. <laughs> you know, it, there were very clear systems in place. The rules were extraordinarily clear. There was no way to mistake them. This, um, you but, said the parents lotto. This is how you were raised. Yeah, my parents were educators. So because of mm. that, you know, my father, you know, my father's a coach, my father's an educator, my mother was a librarian, my mother's an educator, they're educators. So because I was mm. raised by educators, there were very clear rules. There was very clear understanding of, hey, it was like I'll give you an example. One of my favorite stories about my parents. <laughs> Two quick ones. One, it was always a rule of three. So you couldn't get in trouble because you, you know, you, they told you to clean your room and you didn't clean your room, right? They would just come and say, hey, we told you to clean your room. I don't want to come back here until you clean your room again, and mm-hmm. then you don't clean your room, because then you're going to get a spanking. So why don't you go ahead and do the thing and mm-hmm. clean your room? Okay, I still didn't clean my room. The second time, they would say, look, if I come through here again and your room isn't clean, there are going to be consequences for your actions, because I've told you this twice. And the third mm. time, I'm going to be weighing your ass out. <laughs> and then That's I know you're going to clean school. your room because yes. I'm going to weigh your ass out and you're going to clean this room but I've told you twice <laughs> so I'm going to recommend to you right now that you go ahead and do what needs to be done and if you don't we both know what it is so this is the choice that you made huh. and then I would get my ass whooped and so it was always the rule of three it was always so mm-hmm. clear I could never blame anybody I was given choice I made choices <laughs> here I made a poor decision here I made a bad decision the consequences of said decision were clearly here so there was not an area to, to mess around so this is my favorite story I'm done with my parents right because in, in hmm. all of that there's still the times when as a kid <laughs> I'm right about what I'm saying and you're wrong about what you're saying and you're not going to convince me because we're in a different generation right we see things hmm, certain okay. things differently right so what's this like teens 20s no no dude I'm 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 9 9 10 <laughs> okay okay 9 yeah, okay. 10 right <laughs> Lady, you show up 25, 30 minutes late. I walk out the door two minutes late. You raising holy hell. But I'm outside the school for an hour and a half because something happened and you was running late. But it's cool for me to wait an hour, Mm. not knowing you're going to show up. But if I step outside two minutes behind time, then we pulling rank because why? Because you brought me into this world. What are you talking about? What does anything have to do with the accountability we was talking about before? Wow. So I don't know it. So that clash, right? So I'm done now. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm going to pack my stuff. I pack my bags. I walk into the living room. I announce I'm out. Of course, my mother flips out. Boy, you know, where are you going? She's, you know, son, no, my father completely calm. All right. 
No problem. I just want to get a couple of things straight before you leave. Um, when you came into this world uh, and the doctor handed you to me, you was uh, wrapped up in some shit they had at the hospital. <laughs> and uh, I don't recall you ever having a job or ever working or making any money of any kind. So everything <laughs> in your room, everything that you got packed up right there, all that, uh, that all belongs to me. So I know you're going to be a man and I, I know you're going to be great and you're smart and you're tough and I wish you the best, but you can leave all that right here. But, you know, but look, I don't want you to go outside naked. That's not what I'm saying. Yes. Take the them pants off. Yeah. Take all them <laughs> shoes. Take all that. Hold on. Now, here's a towel. Because I'm going to send you out like I got you because you don't really mm. understand what any responsibility is. But you say you want to be a man. I'd be a man then. And my dad opened the door and pushed me out into the front porch in a towel. And huh. as I walked out and he closed the door behind me, I saw the girl I like riding down the street in her car with her mama. Her name was Adrian Keepler. And she was like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember both names. Oh, man. What are you talking about? I can tell you all the names. So the point is, you know, I see her riding down the street and I'm holding a towel. I, I Listen, my <laughs> I'm out of here has just been like, decimated okay wow what okay, yeah <laughs> what manhood i had d died when he handed me the towel and pushed me outside that's amazing <laughs> and she sees me and her mom hits the horn honk honk hey lando oh. what you doing out here in the towel <laughs> wow and i sit down and i'm not going inside because i'm hot i'm gonna figure this out and it oh. rolls around till Man, we must be now 11, 12 o'clock. I can hear my mom asking my dad, you know, we got to let him in and blah, blah, blah. My dad's saying, like, let who in? And I'm like, I'm not going to, uh-uh, no. So it gets to the point that it's, you know, it's time for mist and mosquitoes. And I'm getting ate alive. And I'm hungry. How, how long were you out there? I was out there for about nine hours. Oh, wow. You sat there and you tried to figure this out for nine hours. Yeah, I, I really... I was serious about where how I Woo. yeah I really was serious about that. So, cut to about I don't know man one some one before one in the morning I finally knock on the door, and my dad said who is it? And I said, Orlando. He said Orlando who? And I'm thinking I could do another half hour. I could I, <laughs> I could really because fuck this dude. <laughs> and he opens the door and he says I need you to understand that I love you, and that there's nothing in the world more important than you. You are my entire world. You are the focus of everything that I give a fuck about in this world. All you. Anything I have, yours. That's how this is really going to end. But you don't have the ability to make these decisions. You don't know yet. You've never worked a job. You know, and that's my job. My, and until you can do that, until I can prepare you to the day that I can push you out and you know how to do all of these things, then you're still a child. And you are under my supervision and you are the thing that I take care of. And if you don't like how I'm taking care of you, then yeah, you have the right to leave as you came in. But as long as you're here, then here are the rules. I set them. You play by them. And, you know, I'm not telling you you don't get to speak up. I'm not telling you you don't get to, to state your feelings. But I, I'm telling you, you got to do it respectfully. And I'm, and I'm telling you that at the end of the day, I'm going to make the final call. And that's what it is. That's what it means to be a parent. If you don't like it. It'll end when you stop being a child. Until then, talk to Jesus. Now go get some food. <laughs> I love you. I love you. <laughs> Good night. I'll see you in the morning. Now, 
I didn't have that type of experience with them once, right? My entire life. But that's an educator's approach to how you wow. deal with the child, right? I don't. I wouldn't have had the the tools to know how to deal with my parents, and, except I was taught that. So what a gift education mm-hmm. is that it's a gift, right? So to be to be taught by educators is not because I'm some special human being. It's because I I got handed the systems. So as I move forward in my life. I met all these people who didn't get that gift because of whatever the reasons were, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't bad people. I wasn't better than them. They weren't better than me. But man, did I have a jump simply because I didn't know what those other things they were talking about were. I had to watch them, observe them, and figure out why all of this was going on, right? Because I couldn't understand mm. it. It was For me, it was a very confusing transition into the world in that sense because i'm like what are you talking about here my parents you know it's family family do or die <laughs> like what do you, what uh-huh. do you <laughs> i'm not tripping on none of that like i'm good like let's let's you know let's not I, I i didn't have that part of my life to sort out but by the same token i think it also made me an enabler uh because uh-huh. It really wow. made, it made me an enabler because I felt an empathy to try and help people who I, you know, who I under I understood uh, that there was a desire for help. They were, I thought there was a way I could help. And as a human being who was raised by people, you know, let me just put this last caveat and I think it'll sort of bring it into fuller focus. Yeah. Father's Day, um, um, Mother's Day, those types of days, particularly for my dad, he might get 60 or 70 calls from different uh, children who see my father as their father figure. That's not an, so for my father, helping people is, you know, for my family, helping people is a thing that you, it's a, it's a responsibility, right? You don't stand idly by and watch somebody suffer. You you go to somebody die of thirst. You got water in your hand and you good. I mean, you can't, that's, in my family, that's not that's not the humane way to behave, right? So if you mm. see somebody in pain in my family and you can do something about it, then why wouldn't mm-hmm. you do something about it, particularly if it has no no cost to you rather than, you know, except for your time, obviously. And so in that sense, I was an enabler because, you know, I, I was forgiving all, whatever that was, it was all good on me, you know, good, it was all good because, you know what I mean? Um, but, well, though, that's a, you know. If I can interrupt you real quick, I mean, enabler is a very strong word. It's a true. You know, I'm just I'm talking about myself. Word. <laughs> but, but what? But I, I was. You know, what does that mean that you would? You just kind of. That means that gave a lot of foibles, or that means that in. To me, what it means, I can't speak for anybody else. To me, what it means is there's choices and there's, there's consequences. And we have to hold people accountable for their choices. What an enab- What I was doing as an enabler, is. You made the choice. It's your choice. It's a bad choice. And then I try and save you from your choice. Because I knew it was a bad choice and I knew where it was going to fall. So I wow. save you from your choice. And then you make another bad choice and I try and save you from that choice. You make another mm-hmm. choice and I save you from that choice. So I keep saving you from your bad choices. So what happens is the consequences of those choices are consistently being deflected away from you. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what it's like. 
to get wet because somebody's always running around knocking the water back. And then ah, suddenly you get wet and you freak okay. your ass out because you ain't used to being wet because there was somebody always running around knocking the water off. You got to let the person get wet. You got They got to learn how to swim. They got to get in the water. Okay. They got to learn yeah. not to panic. They got to learn how to sort through all of those things because swimming is a life skill. So doing that to them, all you're doing is diminishing that person. Uh, you're, you're, you're cutting their opportunities for survival. You are not educating them. You are not giving them the tools they need to be successful in life. Right, right. Right? That's, it's an enabling yeah. behavior. It's a very, okay. very horrible thing because of you, you can't take that ability to learn away from somebody. And when you do, did that bullshit we end up with. Somebody who doesn't know anything. Somebody who feels entitled all the time. Somebody who doesn't think it's their responsibility. That's an uneducated individual. I, I don't care how privileged they are. They're uneducated and ignorant. They don't understand that society is about cooperation. What the fuck? You think the ants are working together just on a humbug? It's for survival. That's what society is. You play a role of cooperation mm -hmm, in society mm -hmm. to help other people. Help. Help. If you can, help. Why not? So that's the interdependency of society. That's what having a mm -hmm. neighbor is for. Mm -hmm. So you can get some fucking help. What I want a neighbor for who ain't going to do shit or I'm the enemy of. Why are we enemies? Ain't we neighbors? That, that mentality is problematic. The idea that we're in competition is problematic. We're in co cooperation. We're not in competition, mm -hmm. right? So, of course, people feel anxiety because there's a feeling like you're in competition or you're going to be judged for being yeah. you and all these other things because there isn't yes. a spirit of cooperation. I was Support, enabling that acceptance. by 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 doing what I was doing. Oh wow! Okay, very fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about. I mean, I'm one of these people. <laughs> you know, I fashion myself a cycle breaker. Is what I is what I fashion myself. My sister and I were talking. It's a powerful about thing. Well, two two of my sisters and I were talking about this being cycle breakers, and um, it's being a parent has brought very much into you know, focus what I did not receive. And now I understand that I didn't receive these things because I never knew that because my experience is my experience. And I just assume universals. Right. So, you know, and and I know your experience from having been a part and seen the documentary. So you're, you're right. That's a, that's an incredible experience. Your personal experience is an incredible one. Uh, and I appreciate that Orlando. Thank you very much for saying, yeah. And I, and you know, and it's, it's an ongoing thing. You know, this relationship with my father, this relationship with my siblings that are related to my father, you know, um, all of these things that are still. And then also like seeing my childhood for a fact as opposed to an ongoing experience. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. You know what I mean? Because that arrested development is not a joke. And I, you know, and I'm there. I'm totally there where it's like. Yeah. I didn't get to learn certain things and I didn't have an environment where I could continue to practice certain things. I always gave up way too easily. And this is what I am now understanding like this idea of neglect. Neglect is like the new thing where I'm like, oh, just this vibrating idea that nobody has my back. So it's like it's the opposite of why don't we have each other's back? I'm always thinking, why would anyone care? So it's like me even admitting that I want help or asking somebody for help, seeing something as something that I might even need help with. Mm -hmm. Those are things that like took so long for me to 
I guess, to get to. And I'm trying to come back from that, I guess what I'm saying. And your, you know, when you're talking about your childhood, it sounds very, because I know a lot of people, first of all, like, you know, it's, it sounds like, you know, you always have come off to me as a very solid individual. Um, and it sounds like, first of all, these sounds like the Southern people. Without question, yes. Born in Alabama, you know, grew up in South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, but I'm a Southerner, as is my family. We were all born in Mobile, Alabama. Okay. Yes, and, and I was, you know, <laughs> when it was my great-grandparents, they kind they came from the South, so it was like all this Southern stuff. But with what all the other crap that was going on in my family, it all got morphed into other confusing things and got tangled, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, because even like thinking about spanking, like I haven't heard somebody talk about being spanked in a way that made sense, <laughs> you know, in a long time. Right. Yeah. Where, where it was like, you know, it's very, it's very interesting being having these rules kind of laid out and having these structures. And you said the systems and the structures. Well, th that's what so, they were, right? I mean, I didn't yeah. at the time. I didn't realize what they were, but they, they were, there were very clear rules and structures, and they, they, they taught very simple lessons of, of consequences and decisions and choices, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and and they, you know, they we we talked about lying a lot about, mm. about the type of lies that, that people tell and then the, the type of lies that cause harm. Like we really, you know, my parents mm -hmm. parsed through mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff with me. But again, that's why I say I hit the parents a lot. I was really fortunate in that regard. You know, I've never, they, I knew they loved me. It was never a question. You know what I mean? It was, I don't know what that is. But I think that's also because it wasn't just my parents. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, knew, mm -hmm. I knew my great-grandmother and my great-grandfather. My great-great-grandmother and I met, I don't remember her, but, you know, I know my family, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and it's a, and, and I had a very large tribe of individuals that became family because mm -hmm. of the mentorship and the re relationships that my parents built in helping other people. So I was mm -hmm. raised in an environment with a, a, a lot of love and a lot of care, um, you know, and a lot of blackness. I mean, it was, we, it was very I, clearly defined. We understood what the rules were. I knew what peonage was. I knew what black codes were. I understood where I was. I understood what happened after Reconstruction. I understood what systemic racism was. I knew what the experience was. I was having it. I went to private Catholic school. So these ideas that... So even the invisible rules were apparent. Because we talk, in my family, in my house, we talk about those things. Those things are not things that you avoid because those are things you have to navigate out there in the world. So, you know, and, you know, and, and, and my father was not from people who were educated. My dad's a street dude. You know, my family's from the street. So, you know, I mean, it was a different game. So I got taught by street dudes. I got, I got raised by people who had to fight to survive for real, who knew what real hardship was. And I was shielded from a lot of that because that they weren't going to let that be my life. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but it was mm -hmm. their life, but they didn't let that shit be my life. So I, I was standing right next to it. Oh, I heard all about it and they broke it down to me in excruciating detail, but it wasn't my life. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, and I, I, I understand it so well because it was taught to me so well. There was so many, mm. it, it, and it was taught to me so well by so many generations of people. So I could understand mm -hmm. my great grandmother's version of blackness, 
my grandmother's version of blackness, my grandfather versus my great-grandfather versus my aunties. Oh, man, mm-hmm. please. Those versions of and those experiences, man, please. The, and, and the women that raised me, the sort of crazy, incredible group. I got raised by women who did not fit the mold of what anybody says who women are. I mean, I, I didn't mm-hmm. get raised by women who were those prototypical women. I, I got raised by women who would whoop your ass. They didn't play that fucking bullshit. <laughs> they did not. They just did not. You came over with some fuckery. You was, <laughs> please. Ma, I carry it, take out wow. her fucking switchblade and wear your ass out. Okay, to, to the, my Aunt Dolly? Like, are you real? So I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't raised by, I don't know what this shrinking violet female thing is. I wasn't raised by those women. So, and, mm-hmm. and they were the, it was a different time, right? So I'm heavily involved in my daughter's lives. And my dad is, was an incredible dad, but even still, you know, your mom is the thing that was sort of there, there, right? Uh-huh. And in those days, certainly, so it was the women that raised me. It was my grandmama, my great-grandmama, you know, my aunties. Like, I didn't spend casual time with them. Like, please, man, you th- I- I've been in a check cash in place watching them set a situation straight when somebody trying to hustle them out some money because they think they don't know the percentages. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> when they like, baby, oh, sit over there. Or they'll amazing. tell me sometimes, stand right here because I want you to understand what it is because this cracker is trying to rob from me. And just watching the person's face and then watching them break down what the hustle is, but what they about to do. Because if they do, she's going to be outside waiting in your car till you get off work. And just watching them wow. process yeah. that they're not about to shrink down for that. They ain't calling no do- I'm calling my brother. Uh-uh-uh. Fuck all that. So I was raised by those type of women who raised me to be that type of man and who raised me that if I saw a woman who was like, I'm going to call my she ain't need to call nobody. Sis, I'm here. What you need to call him for? What's going on? Right? So I was raised that that was my education in life. That's how I got put into the world. So that's why I kind of was made to be an enabler. Because if I saw a problem and I could fix it quick, done. Mm. And I don't need you to ask me. In fact, it's it's not even about you at the end of the day. And that's what I started to realize. That's just my own selfishness. I had the ability to do it, so I did it. I should have (laughs) asked. I would call these things. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm like searching the clouds for labels. <laughs> you know, like, I would, I would call these things like, what is this? Uh, asshole. Uh, <laughs> a- asshole. Asshole. P- Pointing myself. Asshole. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, you have a, a strong sense of self-respect and of right and wrong. It seems like justice. It, for Balance, me, for me, those ideas, fairness. those ideas sound like fucking bullshit Hollywood hero words. I'm just talking about like real shit, man. I'm talking about like, no, I, you, I'm, talk, you know, I'm talking about like a kid on the street, right? Like I've been riding down the street and my dad has looked over and he has seen a mom with two kids carrying groceries that have fallen over. And my dad's like, hold up a minute. And we pull over and open the car door and, you know, pile everybody in and take them where they're going, you know, because we had the time to do it. And that what that, I, I don't and, and to and the way i was raised my dad's like that don't need no special label what the fuck <laughs> just to help the lady out and give her a ride a mile and a half up the street she's trying to like like for real for real like that needs a special fucking label and in the south where i was raised mm-hmm. that's why people, mm-hmm. that's that's what that was community we spoke to each other we said hello to each other it wasn't it's strangers when i got to hollywood and i said hello to somebody on hollywood boulevard dude asked me if i was set tripping 
And I ain't know nothing about California gangs. So I, I said yes. <laughs> and he showed me his gun. <laughs> and told me he would blow my fucking brains out. And I was like, for, for, for saying what's up? <laughs> you set tripping. Oh, wait. I'm not in a set. <laughs> Other than the, how you doing, brother? That, my set was... <laughs> What's up, fam? That was my set. My set was acknowledged. You know, we, we again the culture I was raised in. People of color spoke to each other. We interacted with uh -huh. each other, even if we were strangers. We treated each other in a way that was familial. In Charleston, South Carolina, you walking down King Street, one black man sees another black man. We don't pass each other and say nothing. Hey, 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 hey! How you doing, man? Good, good, good. Just like that. Like, that was just a mm. normal thing. <laughs> it wasn't weird. If I saw a lady something, you know, a couple of us would be like, hey, 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 miss, you know, keep it on moving. You know what I mean? Just, just you know, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what that was supposed to be. For me, it was just community. You know what I'm saying? It, it, that's all it was. You know what I mean? And, and, and so many kids got taken care of by so many of those ladies in the community. My great-grandmother said something that I thought was so profound for a woman with a third-grade education. And she always said things that were so profound <laughs> for a woman with a third grade education. Uh, she said, you know, when they built these projects, the problem is they ain't got no porches. And I'd say, what do you mean? And she said, they ain't got no porches. See, when you got a porch, your grandpeoples, the old peoples, be sitting out there on the porch reading the Bible like we do. And you see everything that's going on in the neighborhood because you're old and you don't go nowhere and you ain't got nothing uh. to do. You ain't going to come through here shooting up the neighborhood acting a damn fool with your grandpeople sitting outside. Certain peoples, probably the peoples that raised you because your parents wasn't able to, your grandpeoples often, your great-grandpeoples, them's the one that you got some respect for, show some kind of kindness toward. And them sitting out there on the porch tend to stop you from acting a fool, tend to stop a lot of folk from doing a lot of things because there's so many eyes just sitting out there on the porch watching time pass after they don't work so hard to take care of these people. So when they built these places, they took away the porches. So they uh -huh. took away the community. Uh -huh. And they took away the connection. And they uh -huh. put us in these little holes like we was rats. Now that's what we act like, see. Rats. Now uh -huh. that's a woman with a third grade education, but her understanding of community, her understanding uh -huh. of the power of it, her understanding of the need that one human and being and one child had and the destructiveness I mean, I, I'm sorry. I don't care what university you went to or how smart you think you are or whatever that is. That's, that, those are profound things from an incredible human being who, yeah. you know, who was devalued simply because of, of her, her race and simply because of her gender um, uh, in a way, you know, that was not commiserate to who she was, man. She was, a, you know, and I was raised by a lot of those ladies. So I felt like I hit the lotto, right? I had a tribe. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just my parents. I had all of that around pushing me, helping me, telling me. So I, when I say I would have got my ass whooped, mm -hmm. I'm yeah. not even joking, dude. Like it, it's actually, I tell in my stand up, it's a lot about <laughs> the extraordinary number of ass whoopings <laughs> I got, but Everyone was a lesson. They made sure there was a point to it. I can't think mm. of a beating mm. in my life where I ever got hit out of anger or because my somebody lost their temper. 
My parents didn't spank me when they were mad at me. They waited hours until they were the next day. And then they, we would come to deal with it later. When they were furious with me, they were like, let's stop right here. Hmm. I'm furious with you. I will, I will tell you what your punishment is later. <laughs> but let's stop. I'm not going to hit you while I'm mad at you. That's not right. Wow. That's not wow. right. If I'm trying to teach you, why would I hit you out of anger? No matter the reason. I don't care what hmm. you did. You did what you did because that's you. I'm going to do it how I'm going to do it because I'm me. If I don't teach you how to be a decent person, then how the hell would you know? So he, they wouldn't hit me out of anger, right? Now, I, heard, I know plenty of kids who got spankings and whoopings, but they didn't get the rules mm -hmm. around it that I got around it. And mm -hmm. I got whooped with everything. I got whooped with switches. Dude, I used to have to go. <laughs> one time I went and got a switch for my parents. Game. And I went and got one little skinny switch. Mm -hmm. And my mama oh, laughed. Oh, she laughed. And she <laughs> sent me back to get another switch. <laughs> and I got another wow. switch and I came back. And mom, and listen, and, and just as fun as you can be, she sent me right back to get another switch. And once she got three of them, she braided them together and she whooped my ass. <laughs> no. Yes, she did. That's yes, she did. ridiculous. Did yes, she, she make did. you sit, sit there, there while she did it? Oh, yes, she did. Sit right there. You thought you were smart when you went there and got the little skinny one, didn't you? You thought you were smart. That listen, and you know what? You were smart. That was a very smart move. Let me let me show you how chess works, though. You thought one move ahead. Let me show you how this works. See, I have this weird sense of nostalgia for a lot of stuff that I didn't personally experience when you because this this sense of community. This is the exact thing that I have missed. And it doesn't no, mean there wasn't plenty of viciousness out there, right? I, I just happen to have a good experience. But it, it, you certainly would if you – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But, yeah, it's, it's, no. some, it's something to miss. It's something, it's something that I, uh, I, I miss seeing have it go away. Well, I would see it – as a child, I would see it on TV. But I wasn't experiencing it in my own home. I wasn't experiencing this in my own neighborhood. And I grew up in this – now I understand it was very much like – low like four or five stories at the at the highest like apartment complexes that were just concrete 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 in the desert we didn't have trees you know we had palm trees at best but it was like 120 degrees and i'm out there on concrete all the time and we didn't know each other i remember the feeling of being young and then getting to the certain age where it was basically like puberty where it's like suddenly the fear thing, the, the machismo thing kind of took over. And I felt <laughs> like everybody, because we lived in a neighborhood that there was gang stuff going on. So everybody wanted to be a part of it. You know, everybody was a wannabe in some sort of sense. And I, di I didn't, you know, so I kind of like backed off from everybody. But then also like the news at all times was telling me to be afraid of everyone I knew. It was just this constant you know this constant narrative all of the time and and this constant uh posturing you know what i mean po just po just everybody constantly that that thing of like what what set you up that sort of thing but just because you know that was the way that people said hi <laughs> you know for some reason and see and from in my house it was a constant conversation about that that was the image putting out being put out Mm -hmm. And a constant conversation about how that wasn't us, though, that that wasn't our lives, 
that we knew what that was, but that mm-hmm. that but that wasn't the life that you know we we didn't all escape the ghetto. The same, you know, the the, the we didn't all escape the ghetto as a place that where we feared everyone that was there. You know, mm-hmm. my great grandma lived on A15 Parson Court in Pritchard, Alabama. Okay, and anybody in Mobile, Alabama, will tell you A15 Parson Court in Pritchard is hot. It is not for the faint of heart. Okay, all right, they ain't playing with it. They're not even kind of playing with it. So, but I wasn't scared playing around there. I, I was in an environment of love. I was protected from a number of those things. So though I was right there in it, in the center of it, that wasn't the experience I had as a child. That wasn't what those people exposed me to. They never told me that I should. Be. I was in it for you. That's why I'm saying. So I don't look at that. Ex- when people show me that experience and tell me those things and tell me what that was, I go, mm, okay. I mean, that's your version of it. My version of mm-hmm. it doesn't have all of that. Those things certainly happened here and there, but there are there are there are other parts of this experience that that are us thriving mm-hmm. that y'all mm-hmm. never want to talk about. Nobody want to talk about us thriving. It's always us as victims. It's always just getting mm-hmm. the shit kicked out of them. You know, mm-hmm. like you know what I mean. It, it it you know like the the stuff the women in my family did that they don't you know. Uh, Sadly, uh, so many of the black actresses on television um, have to tuck tail and turn away, right? Mm. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't get raised by women who did that. So that's always struck me as a strange way to approach confrontation. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? It's, you know, and, and here's the thing. They were so clear about the choices. because They were like, look, you can't do this all the time. You spend all your time fighting with people. You got to pick your battles. You got to make sure you know mm-hmm. why you're doing it. You got to understand what's important. You got to pick the ones you can win. You got to know how the system work. Because you ain't never fighting with the person. You fighting with the system. And then they would talk about how that works. And I, oh, wow. Okay, that's how that works. Got it. All right. Got it. So this person I'm dealing with is just a representative for the thing. Yeah. And I use that against them. Oh, that's what we're doing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Okay. That's how I come by, hmm. by, by. And so, again, it was incredible to have. But hustlers, th- these are what's called hustlers, right? You ain't got no money. You're trying to make it, make ends meet. You know, you're doing what you can mm-hmm. do and you're moving the way you're moving. Again, that gets portrayed as low class, low education. Don't know. I, I don't know it as that. I know it as high class, mm-hmm. smart, high education, smooth. Okay, I, I don't, I don't, I don't bring them negative connotations of how, of how white America sees Black America, and how Black America has been taught to see itself to the party. Right, right, because right. Because because I had somebody saying to me, "That's not the party. That's not the party. That's not the party." Right, right. Now, and let me ask you this last thing, um, because you know, I feel like this has been. Uh, thank you for the conversation again. I mean, I feel like this has been, you know, like I understand how you can maintain, you know, and uh, I'm jealous, uh, or should I say envious? Don't be. But I guess I'm. Not, well, you know, you 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 said you said asshole. I love that. But well, I guess I my question right. is, <laughs> like, how these are the things that you're talking about that I guess I feel in a large way. I am nostalgic for or the things that I want to bring into being for my children 
you know, it's not that I want them to have a lot of money or anything like that. It's that I want them to have a community. I want them to know that a large group of people have their back for real. Absolutely. And, and I don't know how to create that because I didn't have it. So I'm still looking for examples and just kind of like slowly uh, building my way through it. But my question to you is, do you think that we as a society, as a culture where we stand right now, are on the path to that or is it more of the same or are we going the opposite direction oh wow first of all i i can't speak to two minutes society because it's way (laughs) 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 two minutes Uh, no no of course it's hilarious (laughs) um I, i i can't speak to society that's above my pay grade here's here's what i think um I am a simple Southern boy. <laughs> I'm going good. I'm a simple Southern boy, so I'm gonna give you a simple Southern boy answer. But it's it's uh, it's the only truth I got. Um, go help somebody. You know, helping people uplifts people, not just the people that are being helped. Often and often, sometimes more are the people who are helping. It, it helping people is a transformative act, and in doing so, you build community. It's it's one of the incredible outcomes out of out of out of being able to help someone and the bond that you build, and getting involved in your community is the way to build community, right? In, in the areas where you have interest, that's that's essentially the the core thing to do. And if communities are going to change, people are going to have to get involved in the city council and in all of the localness of wherever they live, because we now know that the GOP is clearly you know, they have clearly made a, a, they've clearly decided that they are in alignment with hate groups and that they themselves have become a hate group. It is, you know, since the Voting Rights Acts, the old GOP that was formed from abolitionists, the, 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 the one that Lincoln spoke about is not the same GOP. But be all of the politics as it may, the simple truth of the matter is that there's a woman, Liz Cheney, presently, who is literally just telling the truth. I mean, she's not doing anything. And there's a bunch of people who say that they're American for America and who say that they're for Christianity and who say that they're for God who are attacking a woman for telling the truth, okay? And trying to push her out of the role that she's in, which is setting the... See, see, in my opinion, the GOP and the Republican Party could say to itself, we are not racist and we are not who you say we are because they had someone like her setting the goals of what they were going to be. She was the reason I would say, "Eh, okay, you can claim that on them. Yes, there are a lot of people who might believe that, but all of them, not necessarily. Well, now all of them are removing someone like that actively so we know where we are we are watching voting rights bills pop up to erode the rights of people who look like you and me so Mm -hmm. to tie all that into one bow the only way to fight that is to be a community because as a community you'll never let that happen right Mm -hmm. but if you leave it to someone else they've already told you that they don't believe they can be elected fairly so they have to gerrymander rig use the same black codes and peonage they've been using all this time 
the same it's thing. Intuitive. It's, it's like, like well, this, this is literally like cognitive dissonance. No, no, it's not, sir. It's the same thing. They've done this yes. before. This is no what happened. Right. It's always it's been, been cognitive dissonance. <laughs> exactly. But for us to just simply recognize that it's the same thing it was before, it's not a new trick. It's the same parlor trick. There's nothing else going on here. So we have tools. We have decades of information given to us by our forefathers. If we would just look at it, there's a reason Martin Luther King went to Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, and, and Sister Chang Kong and Alfred Hassler. We don't even know that. We, we, are, uh, we are disconnected from who we are because the system told us a lie about who we are. The whole Cowboys and Indians madness is a, mm-hmm. a fun story about genocide, but we're the Indians. The Olmecs settled America 1,500 years before Columbus got here. Olmecs, Aztecs, they all look like us. Native Americans, what are we talking about, Indians? Those are black people, and yes, of Native American descent and some of other descent. Everybody came from Sub-Saharan Africa. Do we have to go over this science again? <laughs> this is silly. Look, your skin mutated and the food that you ate and the culture that you in made you white, but you came, all of us, come from black women from sub-Saharan Africa, everyone's DNA genetic memory comes from her. So basically, you came home, you were a different color, we're really the same. So back to community. Countries. But exactly, but still. And if we didn't have countries, then we wouldn't have guns. If we didn't have cults, if we didn't have cults that said that your mutation made you better. You're not the original thing, you're the mutation mm-hmm. from the thing. It's the lies. It's the lies. And it's the consistently, t- you invented a nigger. That's a lie. And the repercussions of that lie, the repercussion that Jesus is white and we should be worshiping a Jesus so we can worship a white male figure so the society can be based on that. That lie, along with the nigger lie, along with the gender lie, along with all those lies of second class citizens and how you create them arbitrarily. Categories. And how, right. The categories that you use to diminish Cast. others, to pay them Cast. less, to make your slaves, to continue mm-hmm. the uh, slavery that you had before, which is really kind of what and you're always going. And not just the slavery of black people. <laughs> you know, it's not just gender. It's, it's whomever you can use who they are to enslave them with. Fat, disabled, black, Native American, Latino. <laughs> LGBTQ plus, it doesn't matter what they use to to decide that you're a second class citizen and therefore you're not worthy of. We're all in the same boat because mm-hmm. we're supposed to be subservient to them because they can have the billions. So as Elizabeth Warren would say, I want two cent, two cent and everything will be funded. Anybody making over $50 million can give up two cent. And then you hear people say, hey, you're socialist. And I'm like, it's, it's all hmm. a level of, 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 of ignorance mm-hmm. simply because it's ignoring so many things that are, right? It, and for me, that's really what it is. What's disconcerting is listening people talk about the vaccine and, and, and not realizing how many times they were vaccinated at the hospital and then how many times they were vaccinated before they could go to school and how they didn't seem to have anything to say about that and how they have no idea what's in 90% of the food that they eat and they don't even ask. They don't even know what the fragrance is in fragrance because nobody has to tell them. So, you know, the <laughs> idea that they suddenly want disclosure of all this kind of all this information, but they don't want or don't require disclosure about anything that's killing them. is just sort of a, 
it's a mishmash of what is a violation it isn't a violation of your rights that doesn't have anything to do with what we're really trying to do which is just i would hope save more human lives and create better lives for more children i mean that's really what we're trying to do here right so can we focus our attention there or do we have to talk about how you feel like somebody's taking something from you i mean because you don't want to be in society anymore well find a mountain otherwise this is how societies have to function, right? The, the, there are, there, there, there's a give and take. And if you're going to choose to be a part of society, you should know that there's going to be a give and take. That's what life is. It is a yin and yang. It is a give and take. This isn't new information. Uh, who's a rocket scientist here? Nobody. This shit but is I simple. I only see it as, but the story of take, take, take is what is being, it's like this, it's the, comp, the competition. It's this is a game and we are against each other. That's right. The, the versus the versus thing is a powerful, powerful narrative. And that's the thing is that like, I, you know, I guess what I'm hearing you say is, you know, we've piled so many stories, so many myths on top of the truth. That's what I always feel. We've piled so many we lied on top of the truth. We lied that we can't even see. We lied no. and we did and we we have failed to build systems to disseminate the truth. And building oh, yeah. sis and the only way to do that is for us to do what we used to do, as the griots did, is to share those stories of the truth, share them with others, share them with our our children and meet people in the community and discuss those things and share those truths with those individuals and and uh you know attempt is to find a way for us to uh to survive together otherwise um you know the other option is we all die and uh, <laughs> you know <clears throat> it's an interesting idea it really is uh <laughs> and if you really feel like you want to i can't stop you but uh, i'm i think i'm gonna hold up i'm gonna stay <laughs> well orlando thank you very much um and uh ladies and gentlemen kirk franklin for those of you that think that gospel music has gone too far, you think we've gotten too radical with our message. Well, I got news for you. You ain't heard nothing yet. And if you don't know, now you know. Glory, glory! Woo! <laughs> you better put them hands together and act like you know up in here. Stony Island Audio.